Hi, everybody. I'm Oliver Roth, a Broadway producer at O'Henry Productions. You're listening to The O'Henry Report, the podcast by Broadway World, which gives you a one-of-a-kind look inside the business of Broadway. In the report, we pull back the curtain on the biggest stories, issues, and trends in the industry. Obviously, this week's story is that on Sunday night, we have the Tony Awards, the 73rd Annual Tony Awards. And to discuss uh, what we expect might happen, uh, I have my, my co-producer and Broadway World reporter, Matt Tamanini on. Matt, how you doing? I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's rock All right, let's do it. So I think, you know, so I should mention to everyone that we actually purposely chose to, to hold this conversation until after the New York Times published what it published, like either late last night or early this morning. I only saw it early this morning, um, which is its annual uh, poll of Tony voters. And I actually think as we go through, especially in the production categories, uh, that was maybe a, a smart decision because it, it might change some of the things as I think about it. And so I, I just wanted to say that before we dive in because uh, it starts actually with the very first category that I want to discuss. Sort of sometimes wonder if it's worth discussing this first or, or later because it's the most important category, but that's just best musical. Um, I figured let's let's lead off with the with the hottest uh, competition in town or the big one. And before we really start discussing it, I, you know, I want to throw these things out and hear what you think as well. Um, but and we've been texting about this the last few days. And again, this t- this Times article might have thrown a loop to my to, to sort of what I think. <laughs> but but my contention previous to this Times thing was that at least in uh, best musical, best play, and best uh, revival of a musical, it's the first time in a long while that I can remember where all three of those best uh, categories have really, really strong underdogs. And so what I said to you is, and, and, you know, is, is that, you know, if you imagine that um, rather than a one horse race, it might be like a, a, a clear favorite. And then someone right behind that, that horse's tail in each of these categories, it makes it a lot more likely that in at least one of those categories, we see an upset than in recent other years. Right. Um, because, uh, you know, if uh, let let's say it's a, a two horse race and it's uh, you know a, a slightly unweighted co- uh, you know misweighted coin, but there's you know the more you flip the coin, the the more likely it is that you get the the less favorable outcome. So so that was sort of my contention going into this, and I, I think maybe if the Times you know report is accurate, they seem to think uh, otherwise. But so with that, let's talk about uh, best musical, and I think you know I I know that you're a big Katie Sound supporter. Um, I I think that the and, and I am too. I love the show. I think what's interesting about the the Times survey, which which basically said Hades Town is going to win, the Prom is in second, and there's a there don't and, and it it actually sort of said don't count out Tootsie and too proud in in maybe like a throwaway sentence at the end. To me, that's indicative of of sort of what I had expected, which is that the Prom has a groundswell of support, but that. Unfortunately, it's not as distinct and doesn't have its own sort of and, – and those supporters are more likely to vote either Tootsie, Indie Proud, or Beetlejuice, whereas Town supporters are like the supporters that also voted the band's visit in and, you know, uh, uh, all these – and, you know, and Fun Home in and clearly has proven itself to be like a strong block of people that really want small, uh, small smaller, more serious musicals. Yeah, it, the the trend that we've seen over the past decade, and I, and we've talked about this before. I've talked about it on on Broadway Radio, is for the best musical category not to go to the bigger, flashier musical comedy 
that people generally say would sell well on the road. It has tended to be, and this is not always the case, obviously, but it's tended to be the more artistically ambitious show that uh, tries to break molds rather than do something very familiar. And I think both The Prom and Tootsie have been lauded in in a good way of saying these are traditional musical comedies. Ain't Too Proud is a very good version of a jukebox musical but both traditional musical comedies and traditional jukebox musicals are by definition traditional where Hades Town is very much its own animal and I think that that's been clearly represented over the past decade with things like Once and Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder and even uh Hamilton and and Dear Evan Hansen um and the band's visit and and things like that where they are big or small breaking boundaries and i think that is to me always why i thought the voters would break towards hadestown because it was unique like you said where the people who like the prom probably also like tootsie and so that might pull their allegiances and split that vote where hadestown is its very own thing Mm -hmm. i think that's probably the case you know i think when we talked last episode someone will have to go check um i shared this but i've definitely been going around town saying um I if the prom wins, then it will not win. It'll be you know the Hades Town will sweep the other categories and the prom will win because uh, people think it needs it and and there is that sort of groundswell support that we'll talk about in, in some of these other categories as well. Um, but it's looking like the vote is too divided. Um, that the people who are are voting against Hades Town for whatever reason um, aren't all focusing on the prom. And what's especially interesting about that is that I think the reason why the prom has a shot and according to the time survey was sort of second in this race is that it's a really beloved show. It's so fun. It's, it's really uh, quite good. And also, and like, this is the sort of the, the key ingredient here. Uh, it clearly really needs it. You know, the, the grosses have never been what they need to be. Um, I think people think that it deserves to be doing better than it is. And a lot of the people who are voting for it are probably thinking, and I know you don't like to think about these conspiracy theories as much as I do. We'll get into that, I'm sure, a little later. But I think that one thing going forward is that people want it to have a chance, and they think that the other four musicals in this category will get are clearly posting numbers that show that they'll be able to do fine no matter what. What's really interesting is that even something like Beetlejuice, uh, a show like Beetlejuice, where it's not going to win anything major, but I think it is in the lead for best set of a musical to get David Corns finally his Tony Award, and it's it's a beautiful set. They then get to go home on or get get to go out on when, on Monday morning, and they are, for all intents and purposes, a Tony Award winning show, right? Just um, like they won a Tony, and that's not like uh, it's not saying nothing. You think about uh, you know Mean Girls, which didn't win anything, even though it was so so nominated, and. It's doing fine because of its brand, but it doesn't get to go out with a campaign that says anything about the Tonys. The prom, one of the things that's interesting to me is I think people want the prom to win an award, but I don't know that the that that the minds of voters, um, and again, they don't know it. I mean, maybe they're discussing this uh, in private among two or th- groups of two or three other voters, but no one's getting together and deciding things in, in sort of group think. You don't think there's a big group text of all of the yes. uh, the Tony right. voters, 830 a, something of them? No. Right, exactly. And so and so what's interesting is it's like I think there I think a majority of those voters are going to want to vote prom somewhere. 
I think what's the, the challenge for prom is I don't think that there that there's going to be enough people who individually decide, you know, to place like the, I, you know the, I don't think they have their champion. Um, I think they're trying to get it through at level, right? Because she's been everywhere. But like Stephanie J. Block is just sort of this powerhouse that's due, and the Times uh, uh, survey um, uh, paralleled that, and and. Uh, Again, that's sort of why I think Best Musical might be the place where we link it up. But anyway, sort of long story short on Best Musical is I think we both think Town is, is going to win the award. If there's an upset, it'll be from the prom, but it's unlikely. Is that, is that where you are on that? Yeah, I still wouldn't count out Tootsie um, as the runner-up. Not that we'll ever actually know, but I don't think that it's going to matter. I think Town is going to win. I think it should win. I think it's one of my favorite show in the last five years or so. So I would be very happy if uh, that team gets to end the night on stage at Radio City. And I have to say, you know, I, I am a, a really big fan of Hayestown. I think it's probably the best musical of the season. And I'm a very big fan of the producing team. And I'm working with them on, on shows right now. Um, but in my heart, I'm not a Tony voter. But in my heart, I sort of think of myself in that position. And I think... I'm going to vote for Hadestown literally down the ballot in places where other people aren't going to vote for it. But I think I would, I might've been swayed by like, I like the problem enough that I want it to, to continue. So it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting sort of question. You are what's wrong. With, I know. With I, Tony you know, voting. I know, but well, you know, what's wrong with Tony voting actually is that they matter so much. And so it need, it necessitates people who think like that. Um, you know, winning the award makes you three times more likely in the musical category to recoup your investment. But yes, I mean, I think you're right. Uh, but I, I anyway. So let's talk about that <laughs> play. So here's another a, another interesting uh, uh, a race going on here because the ferryman has sort of been the leader since the it announced its uh, you know the frontrunner since it announced its uh, transfer because it won uh, the Olivier won a bunch of other London awards and it landed on Broadway. Um, I think it's lost a lot of steam when it it, it lost a lot of steam when a other shows started open. B, it had its casting change. And then when To Kill a Mockingbird wasn't nominated, it set up this two-horse race between the ferryman and what the Constitution means to me. And just like, although I think maybe even in a stronger case here, especially because the, uh, the Choir Boy, Ink, and Gary, I don't think are as competitive. What you have here is sort of the the titan that like the, you know, the the heir to the throne versus this this small show that has just such a groundswell of support. And again, here's a here's a place where I thought, oh, this is so tight. And the ferryman's won all these other award, you know, all the other awards. And maybe what the constitution, maybe that'll push people who are on the, who are like, who are like a little bit on the ferryman side to say, oh, it won all these other awards. Let's give constitution the Tony. But I, I'm predicting the ferryman um, and the Times article seems to say that the, that up among it, the people that surveyed the ferryman is in the lead. Uh, what do you what do you make of this race? Well, I'll go a step further. The New York Times doesn't say that the ferryman's in the lead. It said it has a majority of the voters. It did not say that for Hades Town. It said that you know essentially it had a plurality of the voters. It says specifically in the Times that the ferryman has a majority of those surveyed. And again, Michael Paulson. Uh, interviewed or surveyed 123 of the 831 voters. I think that's m- more than usual. And just, I mean, in a shameless plug of self-promotion, I just want to say, uh, I didn't catch that that rhetoric, but you did. But I want to say that my uh, algorithm that I use every year, ha- that I've been scratching my head at because I've been saying there's no way that's possible, has the ferryman at a 56% chance of winning. Okay. Uh, it's, it's very, I mean, if you think about it, 
with five things in the race, 20% is your, is like your, your random chance or 56%, even something like Hades town or, you know, the juggernauts of the season, um, generally only get on my algorithm 40%. It's very rare that it's because there are four other competitors. So it's very rare that even the farmer has more than a 50% chance. So anyway, um, and it continues. So, yeah. yeah, but it, I mean, I think that goes to show that the Tony voters, in in my experience, talking with some um, over the years, take their job very seriously. And this time of year, we always get worked up in conspiracy theories about, oh, they're going to try to send this message to so-and-so producer because they didn't like this thing that was done. Or some of the things like you were talking about is they want to reward something, so they're going to give them an award that they don't really think they deserve, but they're going to give it to them anyway. I The ones that I've talked to take their jobs as voters very, very seriously. And I think one of the reasons that the ferryman has kind of lost some of its buzz is because it did open a while ago and it hasn't been able to maintain the the standing in the conversation or at the box office. But when people go back and look at their notes for seeing that original cast of the ferryman and looking at the reviews and things like that, those reviews were nothing short of rapturous. And I think that that is going to probably remind them of why they loved the show with that original cast before all of the the British actors went back home. Um, There is certainly a groundswell for what the Constitution means to me. Uh, Over on Broadway Radio, I did a a big two-hour episode about the Tony Awards, and Ashley Steves, um, who's a a theater and entertainment writer, uh, she and I talked specifically about what the Constitution means to me for about 15 minutes and why it's so important, and I loved it. I was very glad um, that it's had the success that it's had. But when it comes down to the awards, it, it's, it is such an apples to oranges comparison between the ferryman um, and what the Constitution means to me. But unfortunately for the, what the Constitution means to me, it's like they're an orange in an apple contest. And it is just so outside of what people expect from this category. And the ferryman is like the biggest, juiciest, honey crisp apple that it hits all of the sweet spots that Tony voters like. So I, I will be... I I would be very happy for Heidi Shrek if they ended up winning that award, but I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I'll tell you that to play devil's advocate a little bit, I think when the constitution, when what the constitution means to me started to become something that I was seriously considering as a as a underdog was when the Tony Kushner piece came out, which I forget where he wrote that thing, which said, which said it was this great. And then the quote in the times from Jesse Green that said like, this is the best and most important play on Broadway because like you said, the reviews of the ferryman sort of justify where it's currently sits in that race. All of a sudden you had these spokespeople for it that not only were calling it sort of what it what it is um but also we're calling it we're saying like i think this is a play i think it's a, I think it's the best play on broadway right now so it, so i sort of think maybe it, it goes both ways but i do um I, I mean i certainly think the ferryman has this locked i also sort of wonder what the demographic distribution is of support for each and how that correlates with the tonys i want to take a pause uh, just a pause from going category to category for one second because uh, we've talked uh, offline about, about um, more like paradigmatic uh, ways in which we dig into these these predictions, um, and you've talked about it on on, on Broadway Radio uh, quite a bit as well. But I think it's interesting to hear this, and I think that it's 
also worthwhile knowing so that people know where we're coming from with each of these. So can you give the, the sort of hot take on, on your thoughts on how you go through making predictions? To me, it always starts with the work itself. Um, obviously, I'm not a Tony voter, so what my opinion is specifically on a show doesn't really matter. Um, but if I go something, go see something and I absolutely love it, I think I have a decent amount of understanding of what the general theater going population and the and then the critics and how I would kind of fit in with those. So if something's great, I, that's going to put it up in my orbit in terms of things that might eventually win factor that in as, as kind of a subset of, of the general reviews. It gives me a wider idea of what's going to win. And then I think I probably do Oliver kind of my rudimentary version of what your algorithm does is I then follow along with the, the precursor awards, obviously understanding that those precursor awards have their own idiosyncrasies that sometimes does not allow uh, certain shows that have transferred from off-Broadway in a different season to get the recognition. So filing that away under a caveat. And then I look at the trends. Like I mentioned earlier, what has happened over recent years in the Tony Awards? What are the type of shows that have done well? What is in A-B comparison uh, from previous years? And then I just kind of read the room and, and kind of see what those things tell me. Um, and then I listen when people go on record and do things like with the New York Times and they tell me that um, there's a really good shot of this happening, kind of marry that with what I have kind of put together on my own. And I think while I don't understand math, um, I would assume that that's fairly similar to what you do with your more in-depth, more scientific algorithm. Yeah, so it's it's interesting because uh, the, the reason I wanted to 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 go through this is not only because I think it informs what we're talking about today, but also because we have uh, sort of slightly different approaches that that I think are interesting, and I, especially when it comes to your like uh, rejection of. I mean, you did say that you bring in I don't forget how you put it, but like you know the the story, the industry yeah. conversation, but um, but. I think that's where we differ most, but, but so you start with sort of how, you know, your, how your ballot would look, I guess, right. Is, is, yeah. is, is your start. So, so I, so I, we're throwing in the same thing into the pot, but I think in a different order, because for me, I built this algorithm that looks at, um, uh, history of, of the other awards of various factors, uh, depending on which category we're talking about, um, different things go in. So for example, one thing that might go in is, is the show open or closed? Uh, at the time of the Tonys, um, you know, is it uh, for for categories where revival actors or designers are are against uh, originals, right? So all these different factors that we could say potentially affects the awards, depending on what the analysis, depending on which category show, which variables are actually significant in predicting them, those are thrown into the pot. So that's my base, um, and then I sort of then I apply like, okay, but Oliver thinks this or that, or I'm hearing this or that, but the thing that I think about in terms of these conspiracy, the reason I focus a little bit more on these conspiracy theories, uh, as you call them, which are really just thinking about, for example, the, oh, well, people really want the prom to win. I don't think about it like most people discuss it in the press, which is, I don't think about it to say, well, there's a groundswell support for the prom, so the prom is going to win. What I do is, is I think of sort of what all the different motives or thought processes um, are that might affect each nominee. So I think about what all the different stories that a voter might might tell themselves about uh, in, in support of or against different nominees. And then I say, okay, well, now it's a numbers game. Is that story strong enough 
and are there mutually exclusive stories where enough will overcome? So, for example, in the, in the, we just talked about the Hadestown thing. I believe that uh, the prom support is real, but but I don't know that it's real enough to to take down Hadestown. I think it's a like I'm I'm, I'm I struggle to think it's enough. So then when I think about uh, – sorry, and by enough, I mean I struggle to think that enough of the 800-something voters will will be persuaded by that. And then the nail in the coffin for me is that – and if someone's voting for Tootsie, Angie Proud, or Beetlejuice, those people are coming out of prom supporters because anyone who's a Hadestown supporter is voting for Hadestown, right? No one who's like firmly in the Hadestown camp is voting Tootsie. But I think people who are like want to vote for the underdog, they now have four underdogs to pick from. So – that again knocks down the number of people who are going to be persuaded. I think by so it's sort of this like interesting number, like like the conspiracy theories on an individual level and how strong and salient they are. Anyway, and I think it will be interesting when we talk about best revival of a musical. I thought it would be interesting before this New York Times survey. So, <laughs> um, so I, let's start with you this time. What do you think about uh, best revival of a musical? I, I have always thought, um, and I continue to think that this one is not much of an actual contest. Uh, I, I know that some of those stories that you were talking about are that there are people that vehemently despise this revival of Oklahoma. I am somebody who I've said that there is a very strong part of me um, that despises parts of this revival. But I also recognize that there are large parts of it that I absolutely love might have been one of my favorite productions of one of my favorite shows ever. And, and I think that when you're comparing a very new interpretation of a classic show versus a very safe traditional interpretation of a classic show, the, the, the newer updated fresh perspective tends to get the benefit of the doubt from voters, even if they understand that there are parts and decisions and directorial choices that they do not like. And I think that's going to carry the day um, with Oklahoma. Kiss Me Kate is a very solid, I mean, it's a, it's a very solid roundabouty revival. Um, it doesn't really do a ton to reinvent the wheel. It looks like it could have been the same exact revival from 1999. And I don't know that anyone would have noticed much of a difference uh so I, right. I i think that oklahoma because it is ambitious and it tries to do things differently than we've ever seen from oklahoma before some successful some not i think that's probably going to be enough for the voters to reward it not just for this but also for the risks that it takes so so i have a few thoughts that i'm, that I'm going to share here about it um i think also just just on what you just said I kept thinking to myself, well, Oklahoma's got this before Casey McKate opened, and I th I don't can't remember if Oklahoma announced then or it was rumored or it was like where they I knew it was super late. Yeah, it was a super late announcement. Oklahoma was yes. So so you know what? It, so I think what, if I'm remembering this correctly, I saw Oklahoma at St. Anne's and I thought to myself, man, this has got to transfer if, if the circle in the square opens up because at the time I think uh, once in the silent was in there and, and wasn't closed yet, uh, wasn't hadn't announced closing yet. And I remember saying because because the reason is there's no revivals other than Kiss Me Kate announced. And if it's Kiss Me Kate, uh, unless Kiss Me Kate is sort of a hello Scott, you know, Bette Midler, hello Dolly, like lavish, like, you know, you go in there right. and you feel like it's, you know, and I don't think it was quite that. I think it was just a, a, a safe production. So so just on uh, sort of uh, backing up what you said, I, I do think you're right. The here's the interesting um, stories of this race. The first thing to note is that I don't think there is support, real support for Kiss Me Kate. But 
I think that there is dissatisfaction and even sometimes like hatred from some people from Oklahoma. So again, it's how many people is that? Oh, and and in another in any other year, if there are three nominees, okay, but then you know if there are two like okay nominations and there's Oklahoma, the people who support Oklahoma are gonna all rally behind Oklahoma. The other ones may not carry their way. Oklahoma would, would win. The thing that made this year interesting is that if you didn't want to vote for Oklahoma, you had only one other option. Then you go to the other awards and you note that on the only award where either of the two won, the Drama League Award, Kiss Me Kate won. On the other two, if you're telling yourself, you know, in my world where I'm talking about these conspiracy, quote unquote, conspiracy theories, okay, well, there's this sort of distaste for Oklahoma among some amount of people. And when they had other options, they seemed to vote not for Oklahoma. So maybe there are a lot of those people. I think the thing that um, that I started to think about, though, is that look at where those votes went. And it wasn't for Kiss Me Kate. It was actually for sometimes m- similarly interesting, you know, or, or mm-hmm. uh, uh, production. Yiddish Fiddler won, uh, which if you're looking for something that like reinvents uh, uh, a – a classic in an interesting way. It's, um, and this might not even be that interesting. Yiddish filler might be like an obvious thing, but it's definitely very different. And so I'm thinking, are people who, who voted in that revival in another award show, and there's not actual overlap, but just, you know, assuming one Mental sample perspective might overlap. speak to it. It's like, I think the people who like Yiddish Fiddler when they kiss me Kate also like Oklahoma when they kiss me Kate is my guess. So, Anyway, just an example of, of how I use that sort of uh, individual in, extrapolation for group thing. I think Oklahoma is, it has it in the bag. Um, it's it's one of those Tony Award winning worthy revivals. Um, and certainly yeah. the New York Times survey said that that was true. Okay, th- that that gets to the things that, that I thought we were going to be talking uh, in in more <laughs> speculation about. Turns out I, I, I was happy to share my ideas on why there's speculation. But I don't know. I mean, 123 of 800 something is – uh, depending on what the 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 difference was in the voting blocks, which they, they suggested in this New York Times article, but they didn't um, speak outwardly. Like that's it's a it's a good amount of people, so it could yeah. go the way that they predicted. It could not. Now I think we get to a category where all uh, I, you, and the the survey would say is uh, an area of, of potential upset, which is in best revival of play. Well, I don't know that it would be – I actually don't think it would be an upset of any kind because I don't know that there's a favorite to be upset. Fair. Uh, you know, I think that this is one of those things where I could literally see most – I mean, like legitimately, like like I wouldn't be surprised if maybe three of the nominees got their name called on, on Sunday night. Yeah, I, I think there's three of them that legitimately could end up taking home this trophy, and yeah, think, and obviously they're the. To, you don't have to uh, worry about offending me. I know that uh, well, those we don't include include I, my. I, I'm not including this. the the I'm not including the show for which you earned a, a Tony nomination, but I'm also not including Torch Song. Um, Burn this and Torch Song. I would be surprised uh, if they won, but. I have always been in the camp that said the Waverly Gallery was was going to win because of the great reviews, because of the love for Elaine May, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in a second. But there's this weird thing in the back of well everything about the boys in the band because it's so hard to figure because they did not invite any nominators or voters from any of the other awards. So because that show ran, you know, a year ago, 
and didn't have the the buzz of any of the award ceremonies, it's tough to kind of slot that one in. Michael Paulson did that in the New York Times and said that there's actually a a slight lead for the boys in the band, yeah. but probably enough so that it's within the margin of error for then the Waverly Gallery and then All My Sons, which opened up to very good reviews, except for in the Times and in New York Magazine. So I, I would not be surprised if any of those win. Uh, I, I would like the boys in the band, which I didn't see because of the timing and how hard it was to get tickets, but I would like that as a show to be remembered because it was really well reviewed, um, and I'm kind of surprised that it only got two nominations. Uh, but I could see this that winning. So I, I'm on the fence necessarily between the boys in the band and the Waverly Gallery. I'll make an official pick at some point, and I'll send it over to you this weekend, Oliver. But I, I guess you got to go with the boys in the band if that's what if you're on the fence. And then Paulson's survey said that's what's in the lead. Yeah, it's really interesting because. This category is totally flopped from what I would have said before, sort of. And I, you, so this is, you don't believe in campaigning, although you do believe in the idea of campaigning and just in terms of being seen. I, I don't think that necessarily sending people gifts really changes their opinion. I think it's more about keeping things fresh in their mind. I don't think that, I guess what I mean yeah. is that I don't think people, I don't think the voter's going to be bribed by your, your CD right. set or whatever. But but I think that's I think those two things are synonymous, and I, I I think the one area where I might disagree is just like in a design award, uh, or in a music like in a design award, if you're if you got a, a packet with beautiful pictures of of your set, you know, just to remind people, especially if it's a close show. But but yeah, that's neither here here nor there. Uh, I I think you're right, um, but I think a lot of campaigning is just being all over the place so that you can't ignore yourself. Uh, you can't ignore yeah, totally. The, and the reason I find this interesting is I actually all year. I've been saying that Torch Song was the favorite to win this category because of all these shows, I think it was probably the most critically acclaimed. And there was so much excitement when it originally was at second stage last year that I think like they could have maybe tapped into that. It was sort of like that, that, that fuel was burned up, I think on Broadway. And that's part of why it didn't really do what it wanted to do. But like, um, so, you know, by that, I mean the, the, it didn't, put up grosses like like it wanted to but in terms of love for the production like there there at second stage there was immense love for it and michael yuri's performance and i think i thought there was something to tap into there but they just haven't been campaigning at all um which it's a closed show and you know they probably didn't have any money in the bank you know there are a bunch of reasons why that might be the case so torch song i think is out because i haven't i haven't really heard from it uh, we, this might be the most camp- – we're giving it maybe the most campaigning it's had all week. And then I, then I think uh, like that I, the thing I've been saying for uh, uh, since the nominations came out is you have three closed shows. One's not campaigning. Waverly Gallery and The Boys in the Band has been campaigning. Boys in the Band, no one knows what that campaigning has done because in its other award – in the other awards, they didn't send voters in. Interesting to see you – know, we'll see whether that was a good decision or a bad decision. I, like we said on the last episode uh, that we recorded together – the interesting thing about it not campaigning is that even though it didn't get any nominations, it was sort of the first paragraph in every story about those nominations because they all had to say the boys in the band did not was not eligible. So in some ways that maybe made it uh, uh, a salient in the minds of the voters. But I think that what we have here is the Waverly Gallery versus boys in the band. I think the question is – the way that All My Sons, or Burn This, but probably All My Sons, uh, which picked up the Outer Critics Circle uh, win, creeps in, is if neither has been campaigning enough 
Termaine Salient versus the two shows that people are going to see last week and this week. But it's really – I'm really curious about this. I, 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 know the, I know Michael Paulson says the boys in the band has – I don't remember how he described the lead. Do you remember? Um, he said that – if I can – yeah, he said a plurality in our survey favors last summer's star production of the boys in the band. Not far behind are the Waverly Gallery and All My Sons. Yeah. And so I think um, – you know, I don't know. I, I, I find it hard to believe in, in conceptualizing about this that the Boys in the Band has really been campaigning enough. But I don't know. Maybe they're sending the voters things that I'm not seeing. Interestingly, one thing that I saw this morning on Twitter is that um, Ben um, Zausmer, who's a Hollywood reporter, uh, writer, um, does a, a, a post every year using um, a different uh, algorithm that he developed for this. And clearly it puts... Uh, too much weight on other awards, even if the thing's not eligible and the thing being open, because it ha- he has the boys in the band in the be- rear at 2.9% probability, uh, which I just thought was an interesting thing because, and, and I has also had to deal with this on on my, you know, with regard to my algorithm, is that the numbers are hard to follow here because it, you know, was sidelined for all the other awards. Um, yeah, he- here's here's a pro tip. If somebody is giving you odds on something or or projections, like if it's a betting odds or giving you projections based off an algorithm or telling you what their favorites are, and it's not from somebody who is actively involved in the theater, don't listen. Yeah. <laughs> because whether it's like Gold Derby giving you odds or I got press releases with like betting odds or this guy who I know does a lot of great stuff with with uh, film awards – the awards that we have for theater are so different than the Emmys and the Oscars and all of their, you know, precursor awards. It just don't yeah. listen. They they don't know what they're talking about. And and bless their hearts, um, it's a, <laughs> it, the, the theater is its own animal when it comes to this stuff. Totally. Now we're through the, with the productions, but those you know those are obviously the big ones. I think those are the ones. Those are really the categories where we needed to talk uh, talk it out. But let's let's go through these. So. Lead actor in a musical, um, I think it's Santino. Uh, what about you? Yeah, Santino. Great. Uh, lead actress musical, I think it's uh, Stephanie, which we talked a little bit about before. Yep, um, SJB. Uh, great. Uh, lead actor in a play, I think also is safely Brian Cranston. Um, this is one of the, so there are two categories where I could see To Kill a Mockingbird squeezing out some support. Again, going back to the difference between you and I, from the fact that there are definitely voters who would have liked to have voted for best play. Uh, but weren't able to. And I think lead actor to play is potentially like Jeff Daniels is going to get some votes, but I think Brian Cranston has it pretty secure. What do you think about that? Uh, I agree. I think I, I would not necessarily vote for Brian Cranston um, for this award, but I think enough of the voters will. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so it's my lead action to play Elaine May. I think actually all the lead actor, right? Uh, you're, you're with me there. Yes, I am with uh, with you on Elaine May, a, a well-deserved uh, first Tony Award. So basically what we're saying is we don't really see there possibly being any surprises for lead act, uh, lead uh, acting awards. Correct. Great. Uh, although who knows, last year Tony Shalhoub snuck in with a, a win. Okay, so featured actor in a musical. What do you have? I predict Andre De Shields. I at first was very much on the Patrick Page uh, train for this one. And honestly, still, if I had a vote, I would vote for Patrick Page. But I think his co-star, Andre DeShields, is uh, finally going to win his first Tony Award after a career in theater as well. 
I agree. He's sort of got everything pointing towards him. I think Patrick Cleary is doing phenomenally, but Andre just got everything going for him, including that, like we talked about last time, he he's the showier role in this show, um, and he's also the newer voice, um, so it's more obvious of the work that he's put in. New, newer voice to this show, you mean? Sorry, newer voice, yeah. yes, sorry, sorry. So one of, the, I should say, agreed with you that one of the many things going for him is that he is not at all a new voice on Broadway, but <laughs> deserved, you know, so deserved of a Tony. Um, but then the other thing that we talked about on the last episode is when you listen to the promotional materials and the things that they, the, the tracks they've released so far uh, of Hadestown compared to what some voters probably have already heard of Hadestown because they've had for years yeah. uh, the, the live recording. Um, Patrick Page is doing the same thing. Really amazing stuff. But Andre, you can see you can see what Andre has done. Um, it's so to anyone who knows the old recording and hears the new stuff, uh, what Andre brings to the table is so salient that I find it hard that I think, I think that really helps voter, uh, you know, keep, keep him fresh in the minds of voter and, and show the acting chops that he has. Agreed. Um, okay. Let's get to one that, uh, is a little tighter of a race, which is featured actress in a musical. Um, yeah, I'm going to stick. With Hades Town here, and, and I'm going to go with Amber Gray for a lot of reasons. Um, not only because I predicted this like last fall, be- long before the show ever announced for Broadway, but the, one of the things that I think we often forget um, with these awards is that she has not been eligible in all of the precursor awards because she played Persephone off Broadway. And because of that, I think there has been a strong push with Ali Stroker, who I thought was. Honestly, one of the best things when I saw Oklahoma as well. So I have no problem with her being kind of the de facto winner in a lot of these categories. But the voting population for all of those different awards in the rare occasions when Gray was eligible opposite Stroker, and even if if Stroker won, the voting populations are very different than the voting populations on uh, on the Tony Awards. If you if you look at things like the Drama Desk, they very rarely kind of win uh, have the same winner as the Tonys in this category. So in terms of like predictiveness, that generally doesn't work. Like you know, over the last few years, it's just it's very hard for those awards to match up with the Tonys. And I and I think because of the love that Hades Town has, because of the love that Amber Gray has in the community, I, I think she is. Uh, the one who's going to win. And I also think she's giving the best performance out of everybody, everybody in this category. Yeah, I agree. I think also, I actually think that um, the Ali's campaigning has been much uh, less uh, obvious than, than what he's doing. And, and it's certainly true that, especially in the featured categories, I think one thing that's that voters seem to like to check, unless there's a real clear favorite in the category, they like to, they're just like, you know, simple minded in some respects. And that if Hades yeah. is the favorite of the season, uh, I think Amber's going to pull it off. But I think if, if there's an upside, it's from Allie. Featured actor in a play. Um, oh, man. You're going first on this one because I got nothing. Mm, this is a hard one. Yeah. I'm going to say it's Benjamin Walker. I could see that. But I also think that Bertie Carvel, who I, – and, and I'm here, I will, I'll say this right now. I'm seeing Ink on uh, tomorrow, Madden I haven't seen it yet. So I reserve my right to change my prediction for this, uh, <laughs> which I'll update on my website uh, tomorrow at some point. Um, uh, after then, but, uh, I think it's a Bertie Carvel, Benjamin Walker race. I think Benjamin Walker has this sort of special place in the industry, in, in, you know, in the heart of the industry that, that might help him. But I also think Bertie Carvel is like, he's like in every, you know, every time he's on stage, people love him. 
So for me, those are like I feel I feel like the, I feel like there's um, those two in the lead. I think that Brandon Uranowitz, uh I think that if Burn This, my play, picks up an award, it'll be for Brandon. Uh, I think that he sits as this like uh, he's he's giving a great performance. He is uh, also well liked in the industry. This is his third nomination, I believe, and but he hasn't won. So I feel like he sort of sits there. And then another person who I think also third nomination without wins is Robin De Jesus. So who I think sits like just below. I think there's a really tight race for those four. I think Gideon Glick is is probably not walking home with the, with the, with the award. I could really see it going in any of those ways, but if I had to go out on a limb today, I'd say Benjamin Walker. Uh, but I I reserve the right to change my mind after I see Ink. And and by the way, I reserve my right the right to change my mind not only to Birdie at that point, but also to Robin or Brandon, depending on how I feel about how Birdie messes with the conspiracy theories that I will play in my head. Yeah, I. I could see anybody other than Gideon uh, winning this category, and I don't necessarily have a great explanation for why I will vote for who I'm voting for. I would say that because of the substance of the role that Benjamin would have the best option uh, to win, Brandon, as great as he was, isn't really at the center of the action of Burn This. Bertie Carvel as great as he is, he's not really central to the action of Ink either. And like I said, I didn't see the boys in the band, but I know that it is about a big group of people, but there are other, there are a lot of other characters that are probably considered more central to the story. So because Benjamin Walker's character in All My Sons is much more integral to the story, that might give him more meat and be a deciding factor for the voters. So it's a very, very thin explanation for why I'll yeah. go with Benjamin Walker, but uh, it's, as, it's as good it's as a- I got. No, it's a, it's a tight race, Owen. Um, let's go to a fe- the, the last featured actor uh, acting category, which is not a tight race, I don't think, which is uh, actress in a play. Yeah. If Celia Keenan-Bolger doesn't win this, I'm going to protest. I don't know what yeah. or where or how, uh, but I will <laughs> protest. Uh, I feel like we didn't do enough protesting after she didn't win for The Glass Menagerie. Um, and, and I will be damned if we do that again if she doesn't win. But hopefully we don't have to find out and she wins for To Kill a Mockingbird. I think that's totally right. Uh, moving right along to director of a musical. Um, I, I don't think that this one's necessarily close. I, I think that um, this is going to be Rachel Chavkin, who, again, we probably should have rioted after she doing it for Great Comet. Um, totally. I think Daniel Fish has had some some love in this category because of his reinvention of Oklahoma. But I think he's going to be dinged for the fact that there are so many people that hate what he did with Oklahoma. So yeah. I, I don't think that Scott Ellis or Des McEnough or Casey Nicolau really are contenders in this category. I think it is Chavkin and then Fish a distant, distant second. I completely agree. Uh, let's go to director of a play. Uh, I, I think that this is probably going to go along with the lines of, like it so often does, very rarely do we see shockers in this category and often – not always, but often this one lines up with who wins best play. Um, and you would probably know better than I would how often that happens. Uh, I think this is Sam Mendez. If Network had been more well-received, I think mm-hmm. Eva Van Hova could, probably could have won because of the detailed intricacy of that show. Um, but I, it, it, it wasn't well-received. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Sam Mendez. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, like I said earlier, the only – and this is – totally unwarranted in the numbers and what I'm hearing from the industry and, and everything. But 
I'm holding on. And so in this case, this is a totally terrible conspiracy. This is me doing the bad conspiracy theorizing, but and, and I'm admitting <laughs> that. But I still am holding on to this idea that uh, that I had since the nominations, which is that um, if there's an upset, it's from Bart Scherer. I just have this concept that people wanted to vote for To Kill a Mockingbird for, for, for production. But but I, I think the thing that's happened is there was this surge of, of surprise right, right on nomination day. And then people sort of thought about it and were like, oh, that makes sense. So I think, yeah, I think Sam Mendes is going to safely get it. Sam Mendes beat uh, Tommy K- uh, was the like I think the only person to ever beat Tommy Kale in a, <laughs> for an award for Hamilton last year for his direction of The Ferryman. And I think it really is a crowning. I mean, the writing and also the staging of it is just fantastic. Um, all right. Uh, continuing through our, our lightning round just to finish this off. Uh, choreography. I guess Warren Carlyle. He's won all the other ones. I, I mean, again, safe choreography. I wouldn't hate it if... Uh, Sergio Trujillo or Camilla a- or Camille a. Brown one for Choir Boy, but uh, it's probably going to be Warren. Yeah, I think it's going to be Warren. Uh, I think um, David Newman uh, probably won't win. He did win the Astaire Award over Warren and Sergio, which is int- oh, sorry, not the Astaire, the uh, Chia Rivera Award now. Um, uh, and I think Sergio could could win uh, as well, but I th- I think it's Warren Carlisle. I think that's where Kiss Me Kate will pick up its award. Um, Book of a Musical. Uh, I I don't see this one being all that close, even though I don't necessarily like the winner. I think Robert Horn will win for Tootsie. I think Robert Horn will win for Tootsie too. I just want to say one thing though: the numbers on this looked almost looked pretty much as solid for Tina Fey last year hmm. for Mean Girls, and then she didn't win. So <laughs> I'm not counting out the possibility that Hades Town will pick up this award. Okay, I would not hate that. Uh, I just I, I and I'm I'm actually like the numbers clearly say Robert Horn's going to win for Tootsie. I I might end up predicting uh, a nice Mitchell because but I have to really dig in a little bit more. Anyway, uh, now let's go to one where she definitely will win, which is yep. score. Yep, she's winning. All right, moving right along. All right, this one is a, is actually a, a fun, maybe tighter race than, than we think, which is orchestrations. Um, I, I think that this one will go to Daniel Kluger for, for Oklahoma. I think that despite what you think of the directorial choices, the stripped down country Western, um, guitar, banjo, fiddle, heavy orchestrations for Oklahoma work incredibly well, remarkably well. So I, I would imagine that Daniel Kluger will win for Oklahoma. And I, as much as I love Hadestown, I, I think that he, that he probably should. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I'll just say uh, this is sort of like the book story, which is that – and I can't remember what exactly – whether or not – you know, they changed this either last year or two years ago where now in orchestrations and like sound design, you have to be like a sound specialist or whatever to vote. I think yeah. that's still the case. Um, and I always thought, oh, that was going to change things. And then I felt I, – I can't remember – the year that it was implemented, I feel like I was surprised. Maybe it was in the sound design last year. Uh, that all said – I think Oklahoma has this. Um, the only competition I Haiti Sound, I think, is a close second that might again sneak in the surprise win because just people are voting for Hades Town. Um, all right, lightning through these, which I and I haven't really looked at too closely at these, but but we'll just uh, lightning through just so we have them on record. The design awards uh, set for a musical. Uh, David Corrin's Beetlejuice. I think that's right. Uh, set for a play. Yeah, Rob Howell for the ferryman. Um, I think it'll be. Uh, I, I think that's right, but also, and I, I, I don't have the names on what I'm looking at right now. But uh, Ink, uh, Bunny, which Bunny see, Christie, Bunny Christie, uh, I think may may win for Ink. Uh, I. It's a great set. 
I have to see it, um, but I, th- I could see that happening. Uh, costumes and musical. Don't think this one's that close. Yeah, it's it's going to be Bob Mackie. I, I have a problem with the fact that he's basically recreating costumes that he designed for other purposes, but I don't think anyone else cares about that other than me. You know, it's interesting you say that. I actually was shocked that he wasn't named ineligible in this category because yeah. in any other category, like in choreography, if you are recreating original choreography, you don't get it, right? And like, and and right. I, yeah, I was surprised by that, but I think it will win uh, costumes in a play. I mean, hell if I know. Um, uh, uh, Bernhardt Hamlet won the Drama Desk. I struggle to see that winning. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, who knows? Let's go Anne Roth for Gary, a sequel to Titus Andronicus. I, Those are I fun. Th- I think uh, Anne Roth could win. I think uh, I think Bernhard Hamlet could win too. Uh, but but Gary probably uh, yeah. There's there's some support for Gary, uh, not for me. But there's a way if you want it to be a Tony <laughs> Award winning show, there's a way to vote for it. Lightning design of a musical. Uh, lighting design of a musical better go to Hades Town. I agree. I think it's Bradley just King. the most brilliant lighting design I've ever seen. I remember saying the same thing after I saw Hamilton the first time, which is that I said, I mean, I know this is going to win every award, but if this thing doesn't <laughs> win lighting design, because it was just stuff that I, I mean, it was just like I felt like I was wa- similarly, uh, well, a little bit different. But when I was watching Hades Town, I was struck by how cinematic it looked because of the lighting, um, yeah. fantastic lighting, uh, lighting of a play. I, I'm going to go with Ink. I'm going to go with Neil Austin for Ink. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I think I'm going to go with Ink as well. I think it's possible that maybe uh, Network sneaks in, but probably Ink. Um, sound design of a musical. Uh, again, I, I, I don't know enough about these to make an informed judgment, and these aren't ones we really have a ton of information on. I would, totally. I, I personally would vote for Peter Hlinsky for King Kong. Um, I, I think that what they were able to do with that voice is remarkable and deserves recognition, but noting that the team behind the puppet, including the voice people, I believe, got a special Tony. Uh, I don't know that this is necessarily going to be remembered there. So I can see it going to either Oklahoma or Hades Town. I'll go with uh, Hades Town because it's won some of the precursor awards and it's probably going to sweep. But in my heart of hearts, I would not have a problem with King Kong winning. Yeah, I think um, I think King Kong. If it's going to win any, I mean, King Kong might even deserve this, you know, should deserve this award. But I think uh, if the band's visit why a beat SpongeBob uh, last year for sound design musical, I feel like it's yeah. almost the same story we hear, which is that you've got amazing sound design of these interesting orchestrations in in something that's also the favorite for best musical versus maybe more like uh, something that shows more effort in King Kong. But uh, I don't know. I think it's Hades Town. And then sound design of a play, which is like, uh, well, let's talk about it. There's something interesting to to note here, but. uh, I would think it was going to come down to um, Fitz Patton for Choir Boy or Eric Schleichman for Network. I think Network, again, it kind of falls in that King Kong thing. Like you just said, it is obviously more intricate. They've got these people all over the stage. They have people outside um, doing stuff. I, I, I think that's probably more impressive. I did not see choir boy though. And when you start to include singing and music into plays, that brings on a different element that a lot of other plays don't have. So I would probably guess network, but again, it's music. It's, you know, this is not something that I have a great insight on. Mm -hmm. And then also the precursor awards are kind of all over the place. Yeah. It's interesting because, um, the ferryman won the drama desk. And so, so possibly the ferryman, but again, this is this is one of those categories where only the people with experience 
yeah. in this field vote for, so, which is not the case with the drama desks. Right. Which is so I'm I'm really curious about this category. The reason I said that I think there's something to discuss here that's more than the other design awards that we've talked about is um I've been noticing the other awards, even the ones that group lighting design of plays and musicals together and costume design of plays and musicals together, often split sound design because Totally. I think they, they don't trust their voters. And, you know, it was interesting at the Olivier's this year, the Inher- we were up for sound design for The Inheritance uh, with three or four other plays and then Come From Away. And Come From Away won, which I'm not saying it didn't deserve it, but it was just sort of interesting to note that there was four plays. And I don't I didn't see all of them, but I know that our sound design was really quite amazing. And then a musical. um and so assuming that everyone else also had really amazing sound design, it was just interesting to me that a musical won. So the reason that I think this is, this is important to note is that Choir Boy had music elements to it. And I'm wondering if that's going to be the, you know, the thing that, push, that pushes it over the edge. Network certainly has more interesting technical design. But yeah, I mean, like you said with the puppet, uh, the puppet special Tony, I think that the score of Choir Boy is also getting a special Tony. So uh, – Maybe or maybe not that will affect it. Yeah, it's uh, the mu- the music director is getting a, a special Tony right. for like arranging and everything to not necessarily writing the score because there's a lot of hymns and standards in there. But uh, but that's a very good point as well. So that concludes every single category. I think that's the first time we've gone through every single category. Yeah, um, maybe. Any any last minute uh, thoughts? No, I I, I think uh, this is pretty pretty good. I think yeah, what's interesting think so. about this is is that there's. Unlike in recent years, there's no one show that's going to dominate everything, yet I feel pretty confident that there's not going to be a ton of upsets. But of course, whenever I think there's not going to be a ton of upsets, there's generally a ton of upsets. So we'll see. Matt, are you going to be publishing final predictions or what we've heard here and on? uh... I'll put them together and I'll post them on Twitter and I'll send you a copy because I I believe I finished second in your uh, experts group last year. So so uh, so that's your Twitter is at BWW Matt. Yes, that's correct. So you can find Matt's final predictions posted up on 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 that. Uh, And also, assuming he breaks, uh, I I think I usually publish the top 10. You can. Find them on, on my site uh, the day or two days after, depending on how hungover I am Monday morning. Um, uh, but uh, that's that's it. So thanks for listening to the O'Henry Report. As always, remember to check out Matt's Twitter at BWMatt and my website, www.ohenryproductions.com, for continuing coverage. I'm going to be posting odds uh, this afternoon. This is Friday. I don't know when you're listening to this or, or when this will get posted. And then... I'll probably post predictions tomorrow, Saturday, but update them. I reserve the right to update them through Sunday afternoon. And then, of course, tune in to CBS on Sunday night to watch the Tony Awards and see how we did and support televised broadcasting of things that benefit the industry. Make sure to watch. Make sure to watch live. Uh, And then you can find the O'Henry Report on BroadwayWorld.com, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play basically wherever you like to listen to your podcasting. And be sure to follow Broadway World on Facebook and on Twitter at Broadway World for updates. And me on Twitter at Oliver Henry Roth and on Facebook uh, at O'Henry Productions and then on the web at www.ohenryproductions.com. We will see you next season. From myself and Matt and the rest of the O'Henry Report and Broadway World staff, thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next season.